This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. All right, we're continuing our Jonah series in the book of Jonah. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Jonah chapter 1, we went through the, uh, the first chapter and we were really doing reflecting on some of the lessons that we can learn through this uh, very first chapter. There's so many in here in this uh, this little book of Jonah, and uh, I gave you an outline today that really kind of goes back uh, and and uh, tells us what we've covered some of these things about halfway through. And we want to finish that up, and uh, then maybe next time we'll we should be able to uh, go ahead into chapter two. But uh, as we look at Jonah and we read his story, we realize that go. Let's go ahead and put Jonah chapter one verse one. We saw that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of. Amittai saying, so we, we realize here God spoke to him. God spoke to him. He was the prophet. And that word came to him. So what I, what I got through that was that at the top of your outline, God still speaks. He still speaks. And we talked about some of the things. We, we, we won't go back and cover all of those things because, uh, we, we covered all of those before, and I don't want to do a lot of repeating about that, but I do want to just touch on the, on the key things that we talked about here. Because when God spoke to Jonah, God meant business. And when he speaks to us, he's got a message for us to hear. Now, how does he speak? How do we get the message? What we do with it? We talk about all those things. But, we realize, first of all, God speaks through His creation. We talked about that. We can look around us. We can see how this earth continues to evolve and how it, how it rotates and stays in everything, the seasons and so forth and so on. Everything, God has it in control. And we see all the nature. We see everything around us and we realize that God speaks through His creation. Now, we said God speaks through circumstances. And he does. Now, this is a, a prime example in Jonah of a circumstance that happened that God was definitely getting Jonah's attention. And I, I mentioned to this, and I want to uh, say it again. The thing about circumstances is this. God does use circumstances to speak to us. But watch out because the devil can use circumstances too in our life. So we have to realize when things come about around us and we find ourselves in this certain thing that we're going through, is this of God or is the devil trying to lead, lead me into temptation or, or something down the wrong path, some other kind of way here? So I've always felt like if God is speaking to me, I've got a peace about it. I, I realize that, that it's in His will. It's not going to be something that's going to draw me away from Him. And we'll, we'll mention that some more t today too. But the thing is, circumstances, 
like Jonah, he found himself in a circumstance. Now, he, he decided to run, yes, but the circumstances around him, God began to speak to these sailors on the, on the boat that he was on as he was fleeing from God. Now, we also realize that God speaks another way, and in your outline, He speaks through His Holy Spirit. And that's a very good one. Because as a saved individual, we have the Holy Spirit within us. And as I taught those lessons on the Holy Spirit, we realize, hey, are we listening to the Holy Spirit? He's leading, He's guiding. Are we paying attention to what He wants us to do? So He speaks through that Holy Spirit many times in our life. And we need to understand and realize that the Holy Spirit's never going to lead us wrong. Never going to lead us wrong. But I said the primary way that I think today He speaks to us is through His Word. And all of us have a Bible. But what do we do with that Word? So as He speaks to us through His Word, the inspired Word of God, we pick it up, we read it, we meditate on it, we realize, God, what are you trying to say to me through your Word today? And as we dwell on that and continue to read it and continue to listen to God speak to us, we will know that He's telling us certain things that we need to continue to do in our life. So the thing is this, I think one reason that some of us are reluctant to hear God speak through His Word, just like Jonah, because we know at some point, as soon as we read it, as soon as we know that's for me, then guess what? we got to make a choice. We have to make a choice for, about it. And so that's why we, I put in here, what are the choices that we do? Well, when God speaks to us, I must make a choice. What am I going to do with that choice? Number one, I can choose my own way. I can say, yes, God, that's a good word for me. I, I like what you said to me, Lord. But when God speaks to us, He often will ask us to do some things sometimes we really don't want to do. And that's where the problem comes in. That's where Jonah's problem came in. When that word came to him, and look at verse number 2, because of the word and what it said to him, he had to make a choice. What was he going to do? Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry out against it, for their wickedness has come upon me. Jonah, get up, go do what I'm asking you to do. You're to go and preach. You're to preach, preach to a wicked city. And some things are going to happen down there when you preach the word. So he, he got the word from the Lord and he had to make a choice. And his choice was wrong. So we realize here that when God speaks to us, the reason why we don't want to do the things many times boils down to the fact that we convince ourselves that we know better than God does. Well, Lord, I, I realize that you brought this person my way. I realize that you put me in this circumstance. But listen, I, I can think of a better way to reach this person than me going over and talking to them or me doing this for them. I, I believe there's some other way that we can do this. 
So we, we kind of start to think about how we, we would do it instead of how God wants to do it. And that's what Jonah, he, he came to a point and he decided that, listen, uh, I, I'm going to, I heard what you're saying, God, but I'm going to just go another way because there's bound to be some other way that those Ninevites can get the gospel. It's bound to be some other way other than me. So he's, he's thinking these things and he doesn't want to do what God's calling him to do because there's always seems to be a better way. That, that's like the old devil. He would say, you know, there's, there's someone else to take care of that. Don't you worry about that. So, something else will, will transpire that, that can be done. So don't, you know, you don't need to go running off, do what God wants you to do here. Just sit back, take it easy. Just, just don't worry about that. So as Jonah's case, he ran from God. And what's really fascinating to me here is that as soon as he decides to go his own way, as soon as he comes up with this idea that there, there's another way that those Ninevites can hear the gospel, guess what? A circumstance came about. The Bible says that he went down and there conveniently was a ship going to Tarsus. Well, hey, there you go. Jump on that thing and just go on farther away from Nineveh as I can get. So, you know, as I begin to think about this thing, when I choose to follow my own way, for you and me, there are many times that there's a ship available to sail away the opposite direction of what God wants to do. And that's why I cautioned you earlier, when you're trying to hear God through circumstances, make sure that it's God that brought the circumstance about and not Satan conveniently bringing something to pass so that you can go out of God's will. I can't tell you how many times that this has played out into the lives of people who love Jesus, but yet there is something that happens to them that clearly violates what God has revealed to them. And guess what? There's always a convenient way. There's always a ship for me to jump on board and go the opposite direction. I've heard people say, think, well, I'm not really happy in my marriage and I believe that God wants me to be happy. So I met someone who really cares about me and therefore I'm going to go along with that now for a while. What's happened to them? They've jumped on that ship. They begin to sail away. There was nothing there to say, hey, I know God wants me to try to, try to work in my marriage. I know God wants to help my marriage. I know God wants to do some things to heal my marriage and I'm going to trust God. We're going to trust God together. We're going to, we're going to look to God for the answers instead of conveniently walking away. They excuse the fact that they don't give God what is His and that's their time to really find out what's going on. I've known other people who have chosen their own weight when it comes to finances. And they once again excuse the fact that what they have comes from God. It's His already anyway. And you talk to people about tithing and giving to the Lord, 
and they, oh, that's an Old Testament principle. It no longer applies today. Well, let me give you a New Testament scripture. Put up there Luke 6.38. And let's see what, what the New Testament has to say about us giving to the Lord and what we should be doing. Luke 6.38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, Running over shall men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet. That means the same way that you give to God, with all it shall be measured or given to you again. So if we halfway give to God, we give when it's just convenient, we give when we, whatever we feel like and still what belongs to Him, then, then I believe that's what's going to come back to us. And, and folks, they do that with, when it comes to a great, some things that are going on in their life. Well, it was a great deal. I couldn't pass it up. So even if I got to go and borrow the money to buy it, I'm going to do that. And guess what? The next thing that comes out of them, well, I haven't, I can't afford to tithe now because I got this big, big bill I got to pay. You know what's happened? They've boarded that ship. They've, they've got on that way to get away from God and what He wants them to do. I've known people that choose their own way when it comes to working. And that violates the principle of forsaking yourselves, not forsaking yourselves together. They work long hours. They're seven days a week. And you know what their excuse is? I'm doing it so I can provide for my family. But what eventually happens? They've jumped aboard that ship. It is sailed and they'll end up losing their family, losing the relationships in their family because they're gone all the time. Not to mention the relationship with God. Because I guarantee you, if they're working all the time, they're not spending much time with God either. So, we find that these things will come about in our life. How about when we refuse to forgive others? Is that going to affect us some kind of way? Look at 2 Corinthians 2.10. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave it in the person of Christ. You see that? Well, you, you don't realize what somebody said to me and done to me, and you expect me to forgive them? The, the, the latter part of that verse is this. Hey, we're all in the flesh here. We're all affected by what people do and say to us. And it's hard sometimes to turn around and say, I forgive you. But the thing we need to realize is, children of God, we ought to be doing it in the person of Christ. Because I'm a child of God, because I know that's the right thing for me to do. Hey, if I know I'm going to mess up some more before I'm in this life, and I certainly want the Lord to forgive me. So I'm going to do my best in the person of Christ to do what I should do as well. So all of these things fall under the category here, I can choose my own way. And that will affect us if we do it wrongly. 
Now look at the next thing in your outline under that. I can delay. I can delay. Sometimes when God speaks to us, we say this. Okay, God, I hear you. But listen, I'll do that at a convenient time. And I'll do that. I'll do it later. I hadn't I forgot about it, Lord. I'll do it, but you know, I just not going to do it right now. Well, if God spoke to us that day, clearly through His Word, clearly by the Holy Spirit, whatever, whatever way He used to speak to us, and we know that God spoke to us for a reason, then we should be busy about doing what God wants us to do. It's just as soon as we can do it. Jonah's decided, you know what, I'll just go this way. And yeah, I know it, Lord. I know it. I know the word came from you. Uh, but maybe I'll get to the Ninevites at some point, but not now. So when God intervenes, what are we going to do with it? Unfortunately, we practice that same idea of delay when it comes to obedience as parents to our children and grandchildren. Oh, yeah. Let, let me give you a for instance. Have you ever been in the circumstance or heard it when somebody says, son, I need you to go clean your room, okay? You need to go clean it. And as soon as, as I tell them that, they say, well, wait a minute. I'm, I'm in the middle of playing this video game. I'm in the middle of doing this. So I'll, I'll do it, but just let me finish this here first. No, 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 son, I want you to go do it right now, okay? I need you to do it right now. Well, just a minute. Well, look, now, I told you, I want you to do it now. Not just a minute, I want you to do it now. And listen, I'm going to count to three. One, two, two and a half, two and three quarters, two and seven eighths. <laughs> what, are we, what are we actually doing? We are actually teaching our kids it's okay to delay. It's okay to be disobedient. Really. We're, we're teaching them that delayed obedience is okay. So I, I want to say this statement, and I stand by it. Let me put it this way. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Amen? Really, when you get down to it? Delayed obedience. I'll do it later. I might as well be saying I'm not going to do it. So it's very, I think we can tell the level of maturity as a Christian. And it's based on the time between what God wants us to do and when we do it. A mature Christian is going to say, yes, Lord, show me the way right now. I'm, I'm, I'm on it. I'm going to get it done. Or either we're going to put it off hoping that someone else, maybe God will forget that He asked me to do that. <laughs> God's not going to forget. He's not going to change His mind. Now, it may be at some point we're so disobedient that, yeah, He could use someone else. He may use someone else, but listen, you're going to miss that blessing out. You're going to be sorry in the long run that you didn't obey God. So, there, there's a time in between there. And the longer the, the lag between 
What we've been asked to do by God and when we do it shows that maturity of a Christian. I think that it's a great test that we should apply to each of our lives. So we can choose my own way, we can delay, but then look at the next one, I can obey. I can just simply obey. And if we're not careful, we drift away from our walk and from our obedience with God. Put Romans 6, verse number 16 up there. Know ye not to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. When we yield ourselves, we either yield ourselves to God or we yield ourselves to the world, to the sinful ways of the world, to the devil. It's really no in between. We're either, we're either children of God and we're serving Him and we're yielding our members to Him. Whether you need my legs for me to walk somewhere, my tongue to talk to somebody, my hands to do some work for something that you want me to do, Lord, or else I'm going to be using those things for someone else. You know, I thought, I thought about that, that word of drifting away. You know, I know many of us have been to the beach, and you can relate to this. We used to get our family, we'd go down to the beach, we'd pick a spot in the sand, everybody get all set up, and we'd head straight out to the ocean to get in those waves. So I'm out there straight from my family, and I'm enjoying the waves, and I'm turning around looking at the ocean line and I, the, the, the sky and everything, and we're playing around, jumping at And next thing I know, I turn around and look. And I said, where did my family go? And I look, and they're down there. I'm like, well, when did they move? Guess what? They didn't move at all. I drifted by the currents. Unbeknowing to me, I was, I was out there doing my own thing. And for a sudden, I'm down here. I'm like, man, I got to get back over here where, where my family's at. And it's just like that spiritually. We can get so involved in doing things that we like to do, the listening God, and guess what? We don't even realize how we drifted and drifted and drifting away from God. Many times we'll obey when it comes to the big things in our life. But in some areas that seem less significant, we maybe don't seek God's guidance. Or we, or we don't, we maybe we think it won't hurt to disobey God just this one time. You know, maybe, maybe that's what Jonah was crossing his mind. Maybe he thought, well, you know, God, I, I've done a lot of things for you. Every time you spoke to me, I, I proclaimed the word. I did this. I did that. It's, it's just this one time, Lord. I, I just don't want to go to none of them. But after a while, we find that we're further away from God because we've drifted. We, can, we really can't be sure what happened in Jonah's life because as I studied it, I don't have enough information in here to tell you that that was the case with him. I don't know if he had been drifting away from God. I do know, and we won't turn, take time to turn to that, but back in 2 Kings, 
he had an opportunity to go tell a king what God wanted him to tell him, and he lied and told him something else of what the king wanted to hear. So that's the only instance I see <clears throat> that he was drifting. But it, it is really hard for me to believe that Jonah woke up one day and said, hmm, you know, I think I'll disobey God today. I, I just think, you know, I'll, I'll go against him today. I, I, don't, I don't really, I find it hard to believe that he would do that. And most of the time, that's not going to be the case with you and me. But it'll be a slow, gradual drifting away that we find ourselves in. So, let me move on. God still speaks. When God speaks, I must make a choice. And then thirdly down there, my sin will always impact others. Did Jonah's disobedience impact anyone? Yeah. It impacted his shipmates. Now, the great thing about it is it actually impacted them for the good. They realized that Jonah served God. He told them that. Even though he was disobeying him. And you know, we read the Scriptures where they even got to a point where they began to praise God and make vows to God that they had never served before. Remember always this, our sins when we go against God is never a private matter. Never completely private. Even if you think on the surface, well, my sin, no matter how secret it is, no one else is going to find out about it. It will eventually affect those around us. It always does. Our spouses, our children, our co-workers, our friends, it has some effect. But fortunately for us, God's in the business of straightening out the crooked places if you'll let Him do it. In the case of Jonah, those sailors turned to God. He used a tremendous storm and the testimony of Jonah to bring them to a place where they actually feared and worshiped God. But just because he can work that way doesn't mean that he will always work that way. We certainly see that in the life of David. You know what David did. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. Did he repent of his sins? Oh, he, he, he poured out his heart in that chapter. He asked God for every kind of forgiveness he could ask for and told him exactly what he had done. But in spite of God's forgiveness to David, was it consequences? Sure was. The baby that resulted of that adulterous relationship died. Did David pray for that baby? He did. It hurt him bad. Did God answer David's prayer and raise that baby up? No. There was consequences for it. There will always be consequences when we turn our backs on God or we get involved in something that we shouldn't be. Whether it's with your spouse, whether it's your finances, whether it's, it, it's some biblical principle that you know you should do, it, it will affect always affect those around us. And so... Number four in the outline says, sometimes my worst nightmare is exactly what I need. You see, God always has a way of getting our attention. 
And some people have claimed that the account of Jonah, well, you know, I, I just don't believe that. That can't possibly be true. They, they'll write it off as a fairy tale or claim that it's only an allegory. But let me tell you, when I read the book of Jonah, it didn't start off once upon a time. <laughs> it didn't start off like that. It started off right with God. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. And when we look at this account of Jonah, you got to remember what Jesus said. I told you that's at the outline on the uh, introduction to this book. Jesus viewed it as a historical account because he said, remember Jonah is three days in the belly of the whale and then Jesus would be three days in the grave. So obviously, there are those who want to disprove the Bible and say there's nothing more than just a fisherman's story here. Can't possibly be true. How many times over the years have we heard certain reports of men being swallowed by large sea creatures? Can certainly happen. Let me tell you something. There's whales and sharks out there large fish enough to swallow a man and even survive. There have been accounts of that. But listen, I don't have a problem believing any part of the book of Jonah because I know God created the sea and the creatures that are in the sea. And God could have caused, and I believe He did, He prepared, the Bible said, a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah remained in the belly of the fish and went through some things that we'll see in the coming chapters. But you remember when he asked the sailors to throw him overboard? You remember they, they had cast the lots and it fell on Jonah? And they didn't, he said, the only way this storm's going to end is for y'all to throw me over. And they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to throw the man of God overboard. I don't blame them. But they had come to the conclusion that they were going to die in this storm if they didn't do something. So he says, throw me over and the sea will be calm. Now, he didn't say, throw me over and God will miraculously intervene and keep me alive and prepare something. He, he, didn't, he didn't know none of that. All he knew is that he was running from God and the only way to stop what's going on here is for them to throw him over. And what's he thinking? When he hits the water, he's going to drown and he'll be done with this world and everything that he has, was supposed to do for God will be taken care of. That's what he thought. But the fish swallowed him and he lived in the belly of the fish for three days. That was his worst nightmare. Listen, I like to fish a lot and I catch a lot of fish and I don't always keep all the fish I catch. But I have cleaned many fish like Brother Danian has as well. And, and he can testify that you get down to the stomach of the fish, that's probably one of the nastiest places you can clean in there. Because there's all kind of stuff in that. So God put him in the worst spot that he could be put in. You don't mess around with God. You don't run from God. 
But we find out here that Jonah's worst nightmare was probably exactly what he needed in his life. God used that experience to prove to Jonah because of his relentless love. You remember I told you that's one of the messages in the book of Jonah here is God's relentless love to never give up on you and me. I'm so thankful for that. You ever think about how the Apostle Paul felt? Let's look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 12. You know, Paul Paul did nothing after he was saved except want to preach the gospel, want to tell others about Christ. Now, how did that go for him? Well, let's look at Philippians 4.12. We'll get that up on the board. Because he said here, he came to a point, Paul was beaten, he was starved, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, you name it, it happened to him. I know both how to be abased, that means brought low, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul knew exactly what it was like to be at the lowest point. He knew when he was at the point he God was blessing him abundantly. Things were happening all around him. Souls were being saved and baptized. He knew all that. He went through times where he was starving to death. He went through times where he had plenty to eat. He knew all of those things. And every bit of it, he said, I know how to abound, how to continue, how to keep serving God. Look at verse number 19 in that same chapter. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So no matter what we're going through, I'm glad God doesn't give up on me. He doesn't cast me aside. He may be teaching me something. He may be doing something miraculous in my life. And he had to get my attention some kind of way so that he could speak to me. And I realized that he was still going to supply my needs. Many times we may be going through something we consider to be our worst nightmare right now. You remember on Wednesday nights a while ago, I taught on the book of Job. You know the story of Job. You know what he suffered. And we talked about his suffering and we made it a point to, to realize not all suffering is a means of discipline. You know, Job's so-called friends, they came around, they tried trying to figure out, well, Job, what in the world have you done wrong to bring all this stuff on you? What, what have you been doing wrong here? What kind of sins you been in, Job? The Bible sets it straight. Job was a just man. Job hadn't done anything wrong. But yet, God used in that circumstances there to do something great in his life. Sometimes we need to realize you're going through a difficult situation. You need to at least consider the possibility that God is using something in that to draw you back to him. Many times we drift away and we get to that point. 
God's got to throw out that lifeline. Say, hey, come on back here. You're getting way out of line here. You're getting too far. You need to realize where, you, where you're going, where you're headed here. And thank goodness for His love that draws us back. I believe God's willing and able to resent, relentlessly pursue us to the ends of the earth because He loves us so much. Could He have let Jonah just <laughs> right on down to the bottom? He could have, couldn't He? But that wasn't, that wasn't what God wanted. So, remember this, He never forces us to accept His love. That's something we got to do on our own. He did with Jonah. He gives each one of us freedom of choice. We either accept Him or we reject His love by choosing our own way. So, we're going to finish up this Chapter 1, with these things down at the bottom. Are we thanking God for His relentless love? I mean, every day, really, we ought to wake up saying, thank you, God. Thank you for giving me another day. Thank you for loving me even when I was unlovable. Don't ever forget that verse. In that while we were what? Yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it hadn't changed. He still loves us in our unperfect ways. I'm confident that there's something all of us can do and God wants to do with us. Don't give up on God because He's not giving up on you. Secondly, accept God's love. Accept it. God has prescribed the way for us to accept His love. You remember what God did? He sent His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him. So we, as we believed in Him for our salvation and we accepted Christ into our life, we have to keep on accepting what God has for us on a day-to-day basis after that. Realizing we put our trust in the, in the Lord. Are some strange things going to happen to us along this, this old walk? Yeah. We're going to lose loved ones. We're going, we're going to lose some things that we thought were precious to us. We're going to have some illnesses. We're going to have some setbacks. We're going to have all those things. But not any of those things are going to separate us from the love of God. He's still going to love us. He's still there for us. And we have to accept that. Now, the last thing was confess any disobedience in my life. Maybe God's been pointing out some areas in our life where we've chosen, like old Jonah, our own way. Or perhaps we delayed what God wanted us to do. So let's consider those things as we reflect on our life and realize, hey, that's what caused me to drift away from God. I used to love reading His Word. I couldn't wait for Sunday to come. I used to love to witness for Him. I, I did all of these things. I remember how, how on fire I was for God. And then we look at our life and we say, you know what? I haven't read my Bible in a couple of days. I haven't prayed to the Lord. I haven't, I haven't 
done what I know He's asked me to do, what's happened? We've drifted back a little bit. We've drifted away from God. And boy, old Satan's there ready to, to pick you up. Hey, it's all right. Hey, you, you've done enough for the Lord. Just sit back and relax and forget about that. We're in the army of the Lord. There's no relaxing, is it? We, we're, we'll continue on. We may not physically, as we get older, be able to do the things we used to do, but listen. We can still lift folks up in prayer. We can still encourage others. We can still give to God our time and talents and things that we have. We can do those things. But if we delay in our obedience, it will be just like disobedience to God. So let's ask Him for help. What's going to happen to old Jonah? He's going to get another opportunity. He's going to get another chance to make a decision. What's he going to do this time? How has it affected him? Did he learn anything from what God put him through? Well, we'll have to find out as we continue on next time. But I encourage you to to take some of these things in the outline here and look at them, study them again, and think about Don't let my life be headed down these directions here. Yes, this, this is, could happen to me. It has happened to me, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be staying that stagnant same point. I'm gonna get back to where I need to be with God. Amen. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.